Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. You join us pairing together a Strange New Worlds episode with an original series episode in a re-listen of one of our vintage podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so we're watching Strange New Worlds. Are you? We've watched two episodes so far. We have paired the classic episode, The Changeling, with the second episode of Strange New Worlds, Children of the Comet. Yeah, Children of the Comet was another fabulous, sparkling, soulful homage to TOS. And it was wonderful to see Baby out of the corner, Uhura, oh. of course, <laughs> who's usually left behind at her console. Uh-huh. In Children of the Comet, she was heading straight onto her first away mission, having only just arrived on the ship the previous week mm-hmm. as a linguistics expert. Check out our Patreon for a full review in July's bonus content. Possibly. We don't quite know what we're doing with these yet, do we? Yeah. But mm-hmm. we are proposing that to our patrons mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. We paired this with another Uhura-centric episode by TOS standards, The Changeling, where the ship is visited by a cute little metal annihilator called <laughs> Nomad. Uh. Lots of tie-ins to look out for as you listen. In Strange New World, Uhura saves the day by decoding the comet's singing as communication. In The Changeling, Uhura teaches Nomad about humans by singing. Yeah, it's almost as if we planned to put these two together for a reason. I know. Yay. Children of the Comet focuses on Uhura's superhuman aptitude for learning languages. And in The Changeling, Nomad erases Uhura's memories and she has to learn everything again in a process and at a speed that we find very funny, as you'll hear. The Strange New Worlds episode has a lot of other tie-ins too. Trying to alter the course of a comet set for a planet links the Paradise Syndrome where Kirk lost his memory and ended up leading a community of Native American-styled people. Yeah, that's it. Spock, like Uhura and Strange New World, tries to decode the strange markings of the alien device in order to prevent the asteroid hitting the planet, but it's the pattern of speech that opens the device, Kirk to Enterprise. Yeah, that's what finally opens it. A kind of music, as in this episode. Yeah. We also loved the environmental suits used here. Much more protective than those in the TOS pilot, but loads of similarities in style. Very yeah. much a loving update slash knockoff of the original. <laughs> really cool to see lots of twinkling from pike and everyone's belief in themselves and others and the universe at large and wonder at the job hope and care for those that they come across which Mm. plugged us into the comfy vibes of the best of tos hope you enjoy a re-listen of this vintage episode of rage watcher star trek the changeling join us on patreon for new episodes every week on tng from two dollars per month and bonus content on strange new worlds on top from $5 per month. Hope to see you there. Enjoy. So, Rachel. Yeah? An artificially intelligent probe comes aboard the Enterprise with a murderously twisted imperative. Ooh. So, what do you think you're going to get? So, the changeling, another Renaissance play reference in the title. So literary, this show. (laughs) An imposter swapped with someone on the crew, maybe? Mm -hmm. This changeling, this, this murderous probe, could it be a predictor of drones? Maybe? Will it penetrate people? Take over bodies? This episode could be confined to the ship only. Hmm. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. We might get to see the bedrooms. Oh. Any upcycling projects? <laughs> A glimpse of their bedtime reading? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what size will it be? I reckon small enough to sneak around, but big enough to press the door buttons. Will it go in people's ears? Maybe it's tiny. <laughs> I reckon it'll use human hosts to murder others. Will the sick bay gurning challenge feature? Let's probe this thing. Rachel watches Star Trek.
register no life readings at all, sir. That's impossible. What could have happened? We would have known in advance of any system-wide catastrophe. And in the event of an interplanetary war, there would be considerable radioactive residue. Our instruments show only normal background radiation. My instruments are telling me it's time for some Rachel Watches Star Trek! <laughs> I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. This week we're hopping on the Nomad train Woo-hoo! with the original series episode, <laughs> The Changeling. So why don't we just jump into this episode? Change it up! The episode starts off with the Enterprise investigating a distress call. Lieutenant O'Hara is saying that she's getting no response on any frequency. Spock's data says there are no life signs when there should be over 4 billion Malurians. Not again! What is it this time that they can't detect? (laughs) Kirk and Spock try and figure out what could have caused such a huge mass extinction in such a short amount of time. An energy bolt appears on the sensors. Now, they're not sure where it comes from, but it's on the way to the ship. It's coming super fast. Kirk orders a red alert as it rocks the shields on the ship. The crew is thrown around the bridge by the impact. Now, there's a lot of inconsistent stuff in this episode, like technical things. I'm not going to bring it up in detail because oh, good. It, it doesn't really matter to the story. But there's a lot. Oh. And the first one of these is that the blast had enough. See, I, actually, I'm bringing it up. Oh, uh, well, this <laughs> one. I'm going to bring yourself. up this one. I can't help it. It's the first one of these is this blast that has what they say, the energy of 90 photon torpedoes. Yeah, I thought that was a bit much. 90? 90? That is, that's insane. And their shields are only down 20%. Ooh, wow. Like a photon torpedo in Star Trek, I guess later on, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty powerful weapon. Like one hit from a photon torpedo is going to cause some problems. Well, maybe not to the Enterprise though. They're tough. But 90? It's like you throwing 90 toothpicks at a mouse and the mouse, (laughs) I just, I don't find anywhere to go with that perhaps these photon torpedoes are made by nerf <laughs> yeah that would explain it and for some reason uh this episode is off on a lot of the technical things but i'm not going to talk about it anymore rachel i'm just gonna let it go but don't knock how much a nerf can hurt if it gets you in the right spot my goodness <laughs> and why can't they evade i think the attacking energy projectile is just moving too fast for them to evade but you would yikes they got their shields up that's enough boxes that they can take a few more hits before the shields are down the enterprise is again hit by another impact everyone is thrown around the bridge again this is getting really commonplace now <laughs> those inertial dampeners ain't doing shit and no one ever holds on <laughs> It could do with helmets and knee pads, really, as a standard. Yeah. Mm. Or seatbelts. <laughs> yeah. But that wouldn't help because those seats aren't actually bolted down to the ground. Oh. Anyway, they pinpoint the source of the attack and fire a photon torpedo at it, but it completely absorbs the impact of the damage. This seemed to be really significant to them, but I didn't really get it. Well, it's just it didn't. their weapon didn't do anything to it. Oh. It had no effect. Mm-hmm. So Kirk orders Uhura to hail the attackers. Spock says that it's a very small vessel, less than two meters long. Scotty is therefore very skeptical it could contain intelligent life, just because they're small. Yeah, why can't they just be a little... Tiny dudes. The ship responds with an old-style binary code. Uh, The crew struggles to translate it, but eventually they get an English message. They haven't had to translate before, have they? It reminds me of Xanti Misfits. Oh, yeah, it does. There was a similar scene in that, wasn't there? Yeah, where they had that... And they had to do the the reel, and then they had to roll on the back. Yeah, we are all giant dads going to get you. I remember that line exactly. <laughs> it identifies itself as a nomad and its intentions are non-hostile. That's <laughs> it. That seems counterintuitive to <laughs> Maybe what's going on Maybe send the there. message first, then the 90 torpedoes. <laughs> 
They convince this little ship to beam aboard the Enterprise. Kirk's logic is that it won't blow up if it's on board. Mm. Maybe? If it can take a photon torpedo like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't it just blow the ship up from the inside? Yeah, we don't know what it's capable of. Scotty challenges bringing it on board. Finally, some reason. Yeah. I liked that Kirk offered it a special atmosphere if it wanted. That's yeah. a cool concept that they could do that. And it would have been much safer if it had accepted because then it would be contained within the one room that was prepared for right. it. Because at this point, they still think there are little aliens inside the ship. They would make a room that would be a habitable environment yeah. for them. Yeah. Oh, how cute would that be? They could make them little. Uh, they could make them little bedrooms out of toilet roll centers and all that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> little ladders out of pipe cleaners. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Well, when it beams on the ship, they can't scan it because it has some kind of force field around it. It asks their point of origin, to which Kirk responds, "The United Federation of Planets." Hey, you! You're cute. <laughs> What's your heritage? <laughs> Oh, I, did I tell that story on the I'm show? Pre- I presume you've told it many times okay. on your on your other podcast. I don't know if I have. If Chris hasn't already told you all that, what's your heritage story? The lady in the turban, let us know and we'll put it in the comments show. <laughs> <laughs> the lady in the turban. Yep. When Kirk says the United Federation of Planets, it says that is an insufficient response and wants to see star chart. Kirk reasons that if they show it just the system without any galactic point of reference, it wouldn't do any harm. Like showing the picture of your house, but not what town it's in. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They're unsure now whether it's a computer or a being. It seems to be all logic, non sequitur and insufficient response. Yeah. I mean, they figure out pretty fast that it is not a ship. So Kirk also remembers that there was a probe launched in early 2000s called Nomad, but Spock says that that was destroyed. Oh, it's gone rogue. (laughs) It says that McCoy functions irrationally and McCoy's recent logic sensitivity training is really being tested today, (laughs) but he keeps us cool. (laughs) So they take Nomad to the auxiliary control and show him a star chart. There's an engineer there, this guy, Mr. Singh. He's an Indian fella who's really confused by what's going on, but does what's asked of him. Mm Mm-hmm. Once Nomad figures out it's Earth, it calls Kirk the creator. It says that the serialization procedure attempted on the ship was unnecessary. It says that its primary function is to probe for biological infestations and to destroy that which is not perfect. Uh Uh-oh. Kirk asks if it destroyed the Malurian system, and it says, not the system, just the biological infestation. Whoa, so interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Kirk tells Singh to see to Nomad's needs as they go into the hallway to talk. He's nothing if not a great host. (laughs) (laughs) And Singh is like, uh, sir, I, uh... (laughs) Really? Just me? (laughs) Me? Think he just killed millions of people and I'm, I've got to help him out now? Like, that's what's going on I don't even have any potty tricks. (laughs) So Kirk and Spock go out and try to figure out what's going on because the Nomad probe could never do anything like this due to its programming well it was just a, an early 20th century probe mm-hmm. it can't blow up entire planets of people and, and why would it and shoot 90 it, probes don't shoot anything let alone mm. things that have the impact of a 90 photon torpedoes yeah gosh so anyway Uhura calls down to auxiliary control and asks Singh for an update he asks her to hold on while he checks some readings and while she's holding Uhura starts singing <laughs> the nomad's little antenna kind of pops out <laughs> <laughs> And he leaves uh, when Mr. Singh is busy. Yeah, he gets a real boner over her singing. <laughs> he has to excuse himself. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kirk and Spock are doing some research on the Nomad probe. Turns out that the guy that made it was named Jackson Roy Kirk. Mm. Roy Kirk. Roy Kirk. It just looks like Roy Kirk, but it's put together. Roy, Roy Kirk. Kirk. It was built for deep space exploration, not killing anything. <laughs> 
Yes, it was programmed for independent logic, they say. Yes. Somehow it got superpowers and its programming has been rewritten. They get word that Nomad has left auxiliary control and is now on the bridge. Oh, they realize it will kill us all and now they call for security. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the whole time, what are they going to do? They shot it with a photon torpedo and it had no <laughs> yeah. effect. Like the security guys are helpless. Yeah, they definitely won't use their phases on it then. <laughs> <laughs> so Novan questions Ahura about why she's singing and she says she just likes to sing. Then he says, think about music. Then he shoots a beam at her head, kind of scanning her. Yeah, uh, Scotty jumps at Nomad and it blasts Scotty just as Kirk and Spock get on the bridge. Scotty's chivalry and impulsiveness is here again. Yeah. Uh, McCoy checks on Scotty and he says... He's dead, Jim. <laughs> I love your McCoy impersonation. <laughs> He's dead, Jim. Whoa, it got even better. It says that Ahura's chaotic thought pattern unsettled it, so it has erased her memory. Oh, that is harsh. Yeah. So Kirk, angry at Nomad for killing Scotty, points out that he was a useful biological unit. Name of your sex tape. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> then Nomad asks if Kirk wants it repaired, referring to Scotty. Mm. And McCoy's like, there's nothing I can do. He's dead. <laughs> so Kirk says, okay, sure. Let's see where this goes. So now Nomad is not only the new Spock, he's the new McCoy too, which makes McCoy finally pretty irritable <laughs> <laughs> uh, they go down to sick bay and mccoy gives nomad all the files on human biology it doesn't seem to do anything like it's just there and all of a sudden scotty wakes up so i'm guessing he's got some sort of energy projectile force field things mm. that he's working on maybe a molecular level or very Whoa. small level that we can't even see that pisses on mccoy's salt shaker doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> but Scotty's fine. He's back to normal. Kirk orders it to help Ahura, but Nomad says that that is impossible. Aww. And we see her in sickbay just lying there in a bio bed, all vegged out. Mm -hmm. And her hair's down to make her look even more pathetic and young. She looks catatonic, half dead. But McCoy and Nurse Chapel decide that they will use the computer to re-educate her. <laughs> what? <laughs> he can bring Scotty back to life, but he can't restore her brain. But they do often say on the show that the brain is the least understood organ, so it's consistent. <laughs> there you mm. go. Kirk commands Nomad to go wait in the brig for further orders. Kirk orders guards on Nomad at all times. Again, why? Oh. Not going to do anything? Yeah, shutting the gate after the intergalactic robo-horse has bolted. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So when Nomad leaves, Kirk is like, we got to get rid of this thing. Spock says that it would be a shame as it is a new kind of life form. <laughs> but Kirk sees no other option. I agree. There, You have no other options here. Mm. This thing is way too dangerous. Spock goes to scan it for weakness. He says its reactions to emotions are unpredictable. Mm. What's he basing that on? On being Spock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, however, no dice. Nomad won't lower its force field, so Kirk orders it to do so. Nomad, however, pays Spock a compliment by saying that he is well-ordered. <laughs> I like smug Spock. He's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> then we get this awesome scene, oh my god, <laughs> where Nurse Chapel is teaching Uhura how to read. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Her mind was empty. Yeah. And they're already up to reading? Not just reading. Because she's talking in Swahili and then English. So she's already learned Swahili. She's already got that down. She's learned how to speak English. Now she's just learning how to sound out and read English. <laughs> I don't know how any of this is possible. She's smart. But this scene is kind of ridiculous and maybe a little uncomfortable. Oh, no. In what way? It was kind of a... Special ad type of... Yeah, like simple Uhura, mm. you know. 
you know, the Tropic Thunder, if you remember that film, the kind of the, the film that he made, <laughs> oh, the Ben yeah. Stiller, Simple Bob, Simple? Simple Ted. What was his name? I don't know. I don't know. I felt I felt a little uncomfortable uh, by this scene. And plus, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> However, it was Michelle Nichols that insisted that she speak Swahili because she's mm. like, the character speaks Swahili. However, Michelle Nichols knows no Swahili. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to get somebody in that did know Swahili to teach her the lines phonetically. But what, to say those things in there, so. Why did she insist that she speak Swahili at that point? Nobody would have retaught her it. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. But she was so adamant about it that it ended up going up the chain to Ronberry, and Ronberry was like, "Yeah, yeah let's do it." <laughs> and so they went for all this stuff. Oh, effort. everybody's pitching in their ideas now. Don't let that happen, Ronberry. Keep a tight ship. <laughs> <laughs> at least there's lots of encouragement of her. Sure. Don't give her the word blue to read yet, though. That's way too hard. Yeah. Stick with red. Even with the scan, Spock can't get enough info on Nomad, so he decides to do a Vulcan mind meld with it. Whoa. You did say he'd be able to do it with non-biological life forms yeah, or something. Yeah, I, I thought it was crazy that he could do that. But I mean, wow. I guess if he... Did it with the Horter. Yeah. It goes on forever. Really long. Basically, we discover that the wreckage of the Nomad probe encountered an alien vessel or intelligence called Tanru. Somehow they merged and repaired each other and became one. Oh, it's like Tan from Queer Eye meets RuPaul. Imagine, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, it's a tale as old as time. The greatest love story ever told. <laughs> a murderous alien and a robotic probe. Together at last. Yes. Beauty and the Beast. Nomad's <laughs> records are incomplete. So that's why it was confused about its creator. Uh, its original task was to collect and sterilize soil samples. Kirk brings up the legend of the changeling, a fairy child that replaces a human baby, but then doesn't really see that analogy through. <laughs> yeah. He's just trying to sound clever, isn't he? We get it. You've seen some plays. <laughs> <laughs> at least they actually referenced the title this time, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's. it was a normal probe and it, then it's been replaced by an evil probe. Mm -hmm. I guess that's the changeling reference, but... It, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. So Nomad just leaves the brig. Two red shirts are around. They look like father and son, I reckon. I think they paid or won it in a competition to be in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> they think that would be awesome you know in i know for sure on star trek the next generation there's a dude that did win a contest that appeared on star trek the next generation there you go because i remember entering that contest oh. <laughs> i didn't win oh. of course these red shirts they try to shoot at nomad and of course it has no effect and it just vaporizes them and goes on down to engineering <laughs> there it goes to a control panel and starts doing something uh, kirk demands to know what's happening and nomad says it's improving the ship warp engines are now 57 percent more efficient oh that's nice he's helping out it's like guest who does the washing up before you get up in the morning isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it sure is and then you know after he's you know killed you <laughs> he kills your children on the way down the stairs but he does the washing yeah up. exactly so the engines are, are going now to warp 10 which isn't supposed to be possible he's showing scotty up as well now he even goes up to 11 i know yeah so again the warp stuff is different like <laughs> later on warp 10 is not possible you can go warp 9.99 and then a few episodes, they do go to warp 10, but then crazy things happen. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. The lizard thing. The lizard thing. You remember that? Yeah. Uh, so Kirk commands Nomad to stop, and it obeys. Spock comes in and says, Nomad's blasted out the brig, and the guards are missing, presumed vaporized. Missing, uh, presumed vaporized. <laughs> Would you like to have that on your headstone? Yeah. <laughs> so Kirk confronts Nomad about the killing thing, and it says, biological units are inferior. 
Kirk says, I'm a biological unit. I created you. Nomad says that this is an inconsistency. Mm. Kirk tries to get Nomad to stay put, but it says it's programmed to investigate. Then it says it's got stuff to consider before it gets to launch point. Kirk and Spock are like, uh-oh, it means Earth. <gasps> Kirk, do <threw> it! <laughs> <laughs> Just get work. up behind it. That'll work. Vulcan thingy probe. Vulcan. Vulcan. Vulcan nerf pinch? Yeah. yeah. On its antennae. That maybe that would work. So Spock says, you know, it might not have been a great idea to tell it you're biological. <laughs> the guards escorting Nomad are totally disintegrated and Nomad is off again on his own. Now those guards were definitely brothers. <laughs> the competition winners again. But stop phasering it. It's not going to work. I don't understand why they would think that that would be a thing. And Kirk should have said, don't phaser it's like won't do anything yeah. to it anyway there's an emergency in sick bay and kirk runs down to find chapel is passed out due to shock oh please <laughs> what and she's a nurse she sees yeah. people's like guts hanging out or maybe yeah. she doesn't since it's future medicine and they don't do things All like right. that but she's but seen still, quite a few things though hasn't she yeah come on that saved her from being vaporized at least yeah she would have had to stand up to him otherwise that's true so it seems nomad wanted kirk's medical files uh-oh oh. Just then, Scott calls Kirk to say that life support systems on the whole ship are out. Ooh, even higher stakes. So Kirk gets down to engineering where it seems everyone has been knocked out or is dead. They don't really say. Nomad is floating around there. It tells Kirk that it's sterilizing the ship. He's going to talk it to death again, isn't he? Again. <laughs> this is one of four times. <laughs> Five possibly. There's one kind of ambiguous thing, but yeah. Everything that is in error must be sterilized. There are no exceptions. Nomad, I made an error in creating you. The creation of perfection is no error. I did not create perfection, I created error. Your data is faulty. I am Nomad. I am perfect. I am the Kirk, the creator. You are the creator. You are wrong. Jackson Roy Kirk, your creator, is dead. You have mistaken me for him. You are in error. You did not discover your mistake. You have made two errors. You are flawed and imperfect. And you have not corrected by sterilization. You have made three errors. Error, 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 examine. You are flawed and imperfect. Execute your prime function. I shall analyze error. Analyze. They get these clamps on it and then are able to carry it to the transporter. They say they're anti-grabs. Maybe that's how it flies around and mm -hmm. those things clamping onto the side of it make it go inert and then they can drag it wherever they want to. Oh, I, guess. I see. They beam it off the ship before it blows up. I thought to myself, wait, if they just beamed it off the ship, why do they rematerialize it? Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> like just beam it and then just leave its atoms floating around out in space. Oh. But I guess it's less dramatic to do it that way. <laughs> so on the bridge, McCoy says that Ahura is up to college level. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back up to speed within the week. What are they wasting the time on a starship for? Get them in schools. <laughs> and then we get our funny little button here at the end. What? The destruction of Nomad was a great waste, Captain. It was a remarkable instrument. Which might well have destroyed more billions of lives as well, Garm. Besides, what are you feeling so badly about? It's not easy to lose a bright and promising son. Sir. Well, it thought I was its mother, didn't it? You think I'm completely without feelings, Mr. Spark? You saw what it did for Scotty. What a doctor it would have made. 
my son, the doctor. Gets you right there. <laughs> the zany banter is back. Yeah. <laughs> and, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and like we've said before, there's no fathers in this show. So even Kirk, who's a man, has to cast himself as a mother of yeah, this wh- creature. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he say mother? Why didn't he say father? Just because it said he was the creator, I guess. It was just weird. Yeah. I didn't quite get that. But anyway, concepts. It was a great concept that Nomad's programming merged with that of another to create a directive to destroy all that is not perfect. So from something that cleans soil to support life to something that destroys millions of beings. Mm. Nomad was originally designed to do the Enterprise's mission, wasn't he? To search out new life forms. Yeah, and collect and sterilize soil samples. No, that was the other thing. That was the thing it merged with was supposed to sterilize. So it was the sterilizing mission with the seeking out new life mission that created destroy all that is imperfect. I loved the repair of Scotty involving tapes on physiology, neurobiology, etc. And then Nomad's conclusion that humans are primitive structures with insufficient safeguards. I thought that rang really true and was an excellent concept. Sure, yeah. He's right. I also liked how he took on the role of Spock with logic, Uh McCoy with his ability to revive, and Scotty with his mechanical prowess. Yeah, he's kind of superior in all ways. (laughs) He couldn't lead though, could he? So Kirk still managed to maintain his position. And the only thing that allowed them to have some control over it was that it thought Kirk was its creator. Mm -hmm. That was cool. I liked the raising of stakes that now it can go to Earth and sterilize that. Yeah. I'd give it a nine for concepts. I was really impressed with it. Yeah, it's it's pretty solid stuff. I think a nine is efficient. I think that's mm-hmm. about right. Yeah. The, the idea for this episode was inspired by the last episode of The Outer Limits called The Probe. Yeah, and that, that too, was a bit Outer Limits there. In The Outer Limits, The Probe had a program to sterilize things and, and it almost kills everyone just like this episode. All right. So do you take points off for it being derivative? Yeah, I mean, Homage. everything's derivative. I oh, don't you don't say that when we talk about Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> don't get me started. Harry <laughs> no, Potter. please don't. But the basic plot is actually kind of reused again for the Star Trek, the motion picture. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Strange that they do that, especially after watching this episode. And I remember what that film is like. And uh, Star Trek, the motion picture was the first feature film that that used the entire original cast. So we've Mm. got the original series, then we've got the animated series, and then we get into the movies. Okay. And then there's a few movies before the next generation begins. But I don't want to know the plot before I see the film. Uh, Think about music. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It worked. <laughs> <laughs> Except I, you know, I didn't erase all of your memory. <laughs> B- l- ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Bluey. Bluey. That's what I think she did. Yeah, Bluey. Bluey. So yeah, I thought, that, like you said, this probe, another super intelligent being. Mm. Like something that was so powerful that the Enterprise really couldn't touch it and they managed to kind of outwit it. Yeah, of course they did, yeah. You know, that's the only thing they've got going for it. And <laughs> Kirk uh, managed to just talk it to death, is it? It's one of these ideas, you know, because I'm into the whole transhumanism and the idea of there being greater intelligences is something that, of course, is really difficult to write for because we're limited intelligence. It'd be like a dog trying to come up with a human, you know, mm-hmm. like you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. But the humans always seem to outthink these things. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but it was only made in the 2000s. 
Well, right, sure. But it emerged with the hyper-intelligent being, I think, didn't it? It seemed like in a matter of hours, it was able to destroy millions of people. And mm. then it, you know, shot a beam that had the power of 90 photon torpedoes. God, and grief. is able to take a photon torpedo itself. It's a little thing. It's actually smaller than a photon torpedo. Yikes. Which you see later on. How did it do that? Yeah, it's just got... I don't know. Why does it Alien have to- photon top? Why did it have photon torpedoes for sterilizing soil? I don't know. That's probably all part of probably uh, nicked them. Tan. Tan Roo. Tan Roo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so entertainment, Rachel. What? Do you, how did you feel? Were you entertained by this episode? Yeah, I thought Nomad's puppeteering was good. I couldn't see a wire. No. Is that thanks to the remastered effects? I oh, don't know. It may. It might have been. Yes. Possibly. Um, Uhura learning to read was pretty silly, and talking the computer to death. It's kind of a being there yeah. scenario. Right. But it kept up the pace and the interest, yeah. despite being on the ship the whole time. Yeah. It didn't matter. There was plenty to be engaged mm-hmm. with. I liked them zapping the family competition winners. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a seven. No, yeah, the pacing of it I thought was really good. It kept upping the stakes and it, it just was very engaging. And mm. even the stuff that was weird was entertaining. So yeah, yeah, it's really good. I would what you only give it a seven? I'm just gonna stick with it. I've said seven. I'm okay. going for it. Yeah, I would give it I'd give it an eight mm. for entertaining. I thought it was pretty darn entertaining. Uh sexiness. I don't like Majel as a blonde. And I'm upset I have to stop calling her Sidewig because she doesn't have one anymore. <laughs> Kirk and Spock had a fair bit of body contact after Spock melded with Nomad uh-huh. uh, and Spock got all weird. Yeah. That was yeah, good. I like yeah, that. Sure. Shatner's hair's looking a bit thin these days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Or the way he's styling it isn't working as well. Yeah. And has he lost some of the twinkle mode? Everybody gets older. Mm, I don't mean they stop twinkling. Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll get some more twinkly stuff. Yeah, he hasn't <laughs> been doing too many uh, romance and we haven't got mm. a lot of, of Kirk doing some romance, but there's definitely some romance to come. Let me okay. tell you. All right. For sure. <laughs> so I'll just give it a three for sexiness. Yeah, this, it's pretty, pretty run of the mill three. Sexier robot next time, please. Well, next episode, Rachel, is one that has rippled throughout all of Star Trek. Ooh. And it is very important to the Star Trek myths and lore. Mm. It's called Mirror Mirror. Mm. I'm going to look in it and I'm going to see what I want to see. <laughs> and I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I think you're going to no, like this and episode. And I'm going to like it. I think you're going to like this episode a lot. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. I want to thank some of our patrons. And some who've increased their pledge. Oh, yes. I want to thank Monster Talk. Immortal Landscapes. David Smith. Matt Willing. Northern Yeti. Robbie Rallett. Stefan Anundi. Joe and Jenny Fargo. Wayne Durek. Christopher Langert. Yeah. Welcome to the crew. Welcome to the crew. Crewmen and ensigns and lieutenants and commanders and crew people. And the guy that works in the, the mess hall. <laughs> Neelix. <laughs> huh? Never mind. Mm-hmm. You'll learn someday. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek! <laughs> <laughs>